Hey friends, before the show I'd like to plug the store of our friends at Terracotta Distribution. At their storefront, shop.terracottadistribution.com, you'll find a wide range of Asian DVDs and Blu-rays from Kim Kidak to Jackie Chan, from Ho Shao Shen to Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell, aka the Japanese Evil Dead. This was even put out on a limited run VHS, folks. New titles are being added regularly, and if you go to shop.terracottadistribution.com and enter the discount code POFN. 10 that's p-o-f-n-1-0 this gives podcast on fire network listeners 10 percent off at checkout the discount code is p-o-f-n-10 and visit shop.terracottadistribution.com for more and let's get on with the show Welcome to a podcast on fire on Beast, Cops and Miles Apart. Michael Wong becomes part of Best Picture History at the Hong Kong Film Awards as he explores the black, white and grey areas of being a cop in 1998's Beast, Cops. Also, M.W. takes charge of his filmmaking destiny by directing a movie himself. On the hunt for VCD bootleggers and drug dealers, that's uh, what you get in Miles Apart. From 2000. My name is Kenny B, and with me is uh, Phil G of uh, EasternFilmFans.co.uk. So before I go on, say uh, say hi to the kind people. You and I haven't done this for a while. We're back in MW territory. <laughs> we are. Yeah, it's it's good to be back. Hi, everybody. It's good to be back. It's been uh, a strange one, but we're back. We're still here. We're alive, and we are kicking it. And uh, we, we're back on the airways of love, obviously. That, that's, oh, uh, <laughs> I was about to say the satellite of love, just because I've been watching uh, Mr. Science Theater 3000 the last few days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they, they were on the satellite of love. Uh, because I got the Gamera box set from Arrow, and I, I remember MST3K did a uh, riff on uh, Gamera. Well, well they've done several, but I, I, I watched uh, the episode on the very first Gamera and the riff on uh, riff on that one. So it's and this is our series on the films of Michael Wong, where we, uh, after nine reviews, and this is the fifth and the sixth, will determine. And this is of course uh, going into the law books uh, whether he's any good or not. I.e., is he Wong or wrong? This was uh, the series where I love the guy anyway, so it's it's kind of uh, it's a predetermined and I'm gonna love him, but it uh, generates. A retrospective, an examination, some new experiences I had not seen miles apart, and it's been a uh, quite a while since I've seen Beast Cops, but obviously there, there were uh, distinct memories uh, from it, even if it's been God ten years, I don't know. But uh, we we all got that um, that uh, special special edition DVD back in the day of uh, Beast Cops. Uh, I remember. I, I don't know what you thought as uh, f- following the Hong Kong Legends line of DVDs if Beast Cops stood out as something of a bit of an oddity for them because it's not a traditional modern action movie despite the uh, the picture on the front which is not them photoshopping big fucking guns into the hands of Michael and Anthony. It's, it's actually a, it's a promotional still that they did 
at some point during the actual production. So it's like, hey, we'll take that. It was an interesting choice, and you don't see many of those being done these days. I say you don't because it always has the front and center being a Jackie Chan film, etc. This was something completely different. You know, it was Jackie Chan, it was Jet Lee, yeah, Michelle Yeoh to some extent, uh, but it was those staple stars, and they were all on the covers. And then Beast Cops come along that you know was different, and they did throw those in occasionally, those kind of films, which was you know ambitious of them. You know, how much money are you going to make off two guys you've kind of never seen before? In the UK, anyway, you know, um, Anthony Wong, um, Michael Wong. They just, you know, they weren't they, they weren't the Jackie Chan that you knew. And this is back in back in the day we're talking. So, obviously, you know, they're not as well-known in household names as they are today, perhaps, um, or certainly from our point of view. So, yeah, it was a, a, it was a risk. But it was good that we got to see those kind of films. It was, you know, it, it was great. And, and they didn't um, try and, um, uh, as I hinted at, uh, to rebrand it into something it wasn't and, and lure in viewers by promising something uh, completely different. Um, and then it was the same with uh, Hong Kong 1941 when they released that. They didn't sell it as uh, a harrowing war drama with epic, big action scenes. They sold it as the small giant fat cecilia yip alex man movie that it was and mm. uh that was sound uh to do that because um i realized that you need to appeal to um anyone who goes into uh i don't know if hmv exists anymore but you know what they, whoever goes into the video store they, they want <laughs> to sort of be uh be captured right away and um yeah. but, but they didn't uh use uh, such uh, sort of uh, deceiving tactics in the case of Beast Cops and uh, Hong Kong 1941 and things like that. So I, I appreciated them for the, um, the, the, they put it on front street, honestly, what the movie was about. And uh, that image was sort of fair game to use, even though it um, they don't appear in the movie with big guns like that. So. <laughs> yes. Smaller guns, more not. knives and machetes. <laughs> yeah, and things like that. lots more knives, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, that's part of Hong Kong Legends um, DVD history and all of that we'll get into it uh, some uh, brief contact information first of all this is Podcast on Fire the flagship show of the Podcast on Fire network where we discuss Hong Kong cinema new and old uh, every now and again dip into mainland Chinese cinema because Hong Kong filmmakers are working on the mainland and uh, such as uh, as well including the director and uh, well the directors of Beast Cops um, uh, Gordon Chan and Dante Lam are uh, are working in the mainland, especially Dante Lam, who's uh, made all the money over over there in the mainland. Well, maybe we'll touch upon that uh, a little bit uh, later. But uh, we have other shows as well on Japanese cinema, where we where we've been talking anime this past year quite a bit. We talk uh, Korean cinema, Lisa cinema, do audio commentaries every now and again, and there's uh, bonus episodes there to be found, uh, including at the end of this coverage we'll uh, produce a bonus episode or two talking of some Michael Wong movies that we didn't pick for the nine movie retro perspective uh, join us over on social media click the various buttons at the top of the website to uh, Facebook and Twitter there will be uh, links in the show post as well and uh, subscribe to us on iTunes uh, find us on Stitcher Radio and Spotify and even on Instagram so follow us uh, that uh, way and I write about a variety of uh, Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies over on SoGoodReviews.com so let me throw over to Phil. Uh, EasternFilmFans.co.uk always deserves a uh, plug. There, there, there's obviously no festival season in uh, 2020 with uh, with uh, COVID and all of that. But uh, I hope there's been some activity as well. Uh, you, your other writer, I don't know if you have other uh, writers. James is his name? 
Yeah, so we yeah, we kind of gone um, retro with uh, Jamie and Paul uh, Finlay. They're both from Scotland, up in the Highlands. Uh, so there's another one in just you, bless him. So uh, there's a found two more. I found two more in the Highlands. So, uh, no, um, I've known uh, Jamie for for well, way back when stuff. Uh, Hong Kong Legend movies actually is a is a link there. So um, and these guys and, and he's he's always liked to kind of write. And I said anytime you want to. And obviously. Um, the whole situation with COVID come around, he had found a lot more time on his hands and stuff. I said, well, if you want to do a review, you know, more than welcome to, and I get reviews sent, etc. that, you know, I need to look at. Um, and he was keen to do some retro, and I said, do whatever you want and throw it at me and let's have a look. So, yeah, he's, he's kind of done the um, kind of Dragons trilogy with Project A, um, Dragons Forever, Wheels on Mails, which which was great. And he's just looked at the um, the Asian Hawk. So obviously, Armour Guard, Operation Condor, Chinese Zodiac. So yeah, there's lots more reviews on site, which is great because I always struggle kind of to find time to do that sometimes. So it's nice to have a couple of guys that are really enthusiastic and just, you know, want to write and stuff and, you know, improve their writing. And, and it's great to put it up on site. And again, the, those retro reviews is always something that I wanted to do and and get into that, you know, perhaps I, I've not covered over, you know, 10 years. I think the site has been going now. So it's a monumental uh, milestone for the site and stuff. And uh, I need to get some more reviews on there. So I'm happy with that. So I've done that. And also um, quite pleased with the independent stuff. So I've still got involved with the independent movies that have still been trying to, you know, crack open. Um, so uh, Tribal Get Out Alive, uh, Matt Routledge, um, Zara Pythian. Um, I promoted that and stuff, and obviously Eastern Film Fans was on the uh, promotional stuff and posters, etc., which was great to see. Your, your work pays off, and your your kindness towards uh, the independent makers uh, certainly pays off. Uh, so you're doing that um, the right way, and and not uh, with this agenda or anything. Uh, so and and they recognize that whether you uh, interact with. Uh, uh ross or the, the makers of uh, tribal and all of that so yeah exactly and you and you've got to you know you've got to start somewhere those guys and i've said it before and i say again they, they start somewhere and build up in those independent movies that and you know million dollar budgets you know they put everything heart and soul in and that comes out on the screen and you can see that and it's another um you know um they, they deserve the exposure and and everything they get and the awards that, that come their way and you know if i can be a little part of that journey then you know i'm happy to do so there's even a name or two or even three that uh, appeared in, um, I don't remember if you saw this, but uh, they placed these um, uh, homemade action shorts on the Eastern Heroes video magazines back in the 90s. And some of those names are now uh, filmmakers, even if independent filmmakers. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they were throwing themselves around and uh, uh, onto stuff and mimicking stunts uh, on uh, going to playgrounds and all of that and filming that with their video recorder in the 90s. Yeah. And they, 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 they put that on um, the tapes. So, uh, you know, you, you, you start somewhere and indeed you keep at it. Yeah, exactly. That's what you got to do. At uh, any rate, easternfilmfans.co.uk is the link. It will be in the show post. And now we're going to take a music break. And after that, we'll be back with the rundown and the Beast Cops uh, section. So sit tight and we'll be right back. Welcome back and uh, 
this episode contains a couple of sections. I'll let you know what those are right now. And first, in the Beast Corps section, we'll share some making-off notes from uh, the movie. Uh, based on the interview that Gordon Chan gave on the DVD. And uh, we'll then review the film. And after m- the music break, we'll conclude the episode by talking Michael's directorial debut, Miles Apart. And timestamps uh, will be available in the show post, so you can navigate the episode that way. Because why wouldn't you want to jump ahead to the Miles Apart episode? Like, what is Michael Wong like as a director? <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll let you know what we think. But the first of all, Beast Cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's from 1998, and plot from the Love HK film review of the film. And uh, it goes as follows. Uh, Chan Hing Kai and Gordon Chan, co-directing with uh, with Dante Lam, take their usual cop soap opera a step further with this take on the darker side of cop life. Anthony Wong is Brother Tung, a cop triad hybrid who keeps the streets clean, but does it while hanging with the triads. His new boss, Mike Cheung, played by Michael Wong, is an uptight former SDU member who was transferred when he offed his corrupt superior officer. Mike takes Tung's uh, unorthodox uh, ways in stride, but stresses that there's black versus white, and that Tung's decidedly, and, and not Tung's decidedly, grey ways. Mike begins to change his tune when he finds himself attracted to Yo-Yo, played by Kathy Chow, a madam of a local nightclub run by Tung's buddy, Big Brother Phi, played by Roy Chung. Very calm, decidedly calm, Roy Chung. Uh, Phi had to flee uh, in, in the beginning of the movie, leaving his lieutenant, Pushy Pin, played by Patrick Tam, in his, in his stead. However, Pushy Pin turns out to be too ambitious, which creates big problems for Anthony Wong's, Anthony Wong's Tung. And eventually, uh, Tung discovers his grey is composed of black and white, but sometimes there's just a little too much black. Beast Cops uh, supposes that there should be honor among thieves, but when no honor exists, one can only do what's necessary. So it is an examination of sorts, of uh, of uh, various degrees of um, you know law, order, cops, robbers, and everything in between. So some background here: a co-director Gordon Chan was interviewed about the making of the film on the Hong Kong Legends special edition of uh, Beast Cops, and he said at the time there had been a concept and story in his head for a few years already. But you know he, he had his decision process within whether he should, whether he wanted to make a movie about riots because. Remember, we talked of his career when we um, talked final option, that Gordon came up through Stephen Chow comedies like Fight Back to School. He directed Fist of Legend, the Fist of Fury remake. Uh, he did SDU action in Final Option. He directed a Jackie Chan racing movie, Thunderbolt. So if you look at that streak, Phil, this was definitely new territory. Uh, so even if someone works in the 90s, which was still filled with tried movies, it was not a given that you were uh, handed one, and Gordon certainly uh, wasn't. It's a pretty neat, uh, versatile uh, streak of movies there with uh, Fist of Legend and Thunderbolt. Uh, Even though Thunderbolt, I know, was like this combination of multiple directors in actuality, and, in, and it shows. But he is the credited uh, director and all of that. So this was new territory, making a movie about triads, and uh, especially at, at this time, the marketplace was already filled to the brim with them, especially in the wake of the cultural phenomenon and the success of the Young and Dangerous series. But, uh, you know, he, he even uh, thought of this sort of pre-Young and Dangerous and throughout the 90s, and uh, the ripples of A Better Tomorrow was still felt years after its release, and every other movie was a tried movie. So, you know, how do you make a fresh one, and uh, are you even motivated to make one when everybody else are, are doing one? Are you going to drown in the marketplace, essentially? But uh, around the time he was planning the final option... Uh, 
he was doing uh, research about the police, uh, sort of serious research uh, about them and the trials, and he felt there was a topic there for exploration. Uh, Gordon also talks of his long-standing relationship with uh, co-director Dante Lam, going back a, uh, a decade, uh, with Lam being his assistant uh, director and uh, uh, even working in producing capacity, uh, aiding Gordon Chan, and uh, really he took uh, Dante under his wing so he could train to be a director as well because he saw potential in the kid. And to break off a little bit here, Dante is the director of Operation Mekong and Operation Red Sea. Operation Red Sea made like 600, 700 million <laughs> US dollars at the mainland box office a couple of years ago. So Dante has kept at it action-wise and made a ton of money. And uh, I really like his uh, take on modern action. And uh, I'm it's one of the few filmmakers I look forward to their next movie. And one of the few filmmakers nowadays that I know has a next movie coming out. Because uh, his movie The Rescue was going to come out. And then COVID um, happened. And uh, so maybe at the end of the year or next year, we're going to see his Eddie Peng movie, The Rescue. It's, it, it's a uh, sort of a, yeah, it, it's about the rescue personnel. And uh, it seems to be set around this big sort of on fire oil plant thing. Yeah, and, uh, it's big. Yeah, and, and you're right, because Dante Lam is a director you look forward to because you've got, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's the big epic. He's going to give you something. He's going to give you that. You know that epic kind of film. That the the rescue looks another like one of those. He's he's gonna deliver on that. And he's that. good at pummeling you. Really good at pummeling oh, you. Yes. Yeah. Because the Operation Red Sea is not about that much. It's a uh, two two over two hours of uh, as I said before, like get out of the way, and I loved it. Loved every minute of it. So even before Beast Cops, uh, Dante had been directing uh, pieces of action in the option films uh, and being in charge of those, uh, doing his own direction. And uh, Gordon spotted that the confidence was growing in the kids. It was time to graduate to director and take on more responsibilities. And therefore, uh, Dante um, directed his first film, Option Zero, which is a quirky little film that I quite liked. And uh, the decision was uh, made to bring him on to Beast Cops as well as co-director. And uh, as you might know, listeners... uh, at the end of the 90s, Hong Kong cinema went through a, a crisis. Uh, Gordon talks of the market situa- situation was really bad and video piracy was getting increasingly out of hand. And therefore that plays into um, budget discussions of movies. Uh, there was a budget concern because if you can predict loss, you pretty much need to make cuts right away. And uh, Gordon reduced his own salary to a large degree to aim to, to aid uh, the film's production uh, budget uh, so he he sort of felt that to bring on a co-director and a younger, more inexperienced, but now a bit more confident director, I got the impression that Gordon felt that reduced pressure on him after he waived a huge part of his fee for the sake of production. And it certainly comes off as a sort of unified effort, if you will. It was kind of sad, though. You know, Beast Cops created ripples. But uh, not in the sort of paying audience, uh, movie-going, uh, cinema-going audience, uh, but rather the pirated VCD of these cops was reportedly selling like hotcakes. Uh, he said it sold more than 20,000 copies in a day in one complex. Uh, so it's like, yeah, but damn. You know, it was obviously disappointing because rep doesn't earn you money. Mm. It earns someone else money yeah, so it, it, it's it's kind of it, it's kind of sad because twenty thousand copies are not random purchases you know Phil, it clearly 
the the street uh, knew a thing or two about beast cops and uh, like look at this michael wong big fucking gun (laughs) 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 buy it (laughs) and and anthony wong is a bit more fat than usual but still michael wong big gun (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, so some um, specifics out of the movie, some uh, making off uh, of um, specific scenes out of the movie. The Hummer and Bus Chase was a work of editing and special effects because the two were never going side by side and uh, sometimes were not even in the same shot. They shot separate elements that were later combined. If you hadn't known that, that's seamless, Phil. Because yeah, it they is. cut it so it. well. I didn't know it because I always watch the film before I, I even look at the extras, so... When I watched it and then I heard it, I was like, really? I was like, wow, that's the, there you go. There's the magic of uh, filmmaking right in that just that snippet of information. Like, really? I didn't even know. Didn't didn't even know. So, yeah. They, they don't stay on the shots that clearly look like a somewhat so superimposed car too long, which is a great choice. So um, I, I never spotted it until I heard that note. I mean, there's even a shot in 2000 AD where Aaron Kwok is um, hit by a van and he tries to stop it with his hands, as you might do as you are hit with a van. No, separate elements as well, because you, you can't do that to Aaron Kwok. <laughs> and it looks oh, good yeah. in 2000 AD as well. But there's probably a few people I'd like to do in real life. Mm. Just you know, Aaron is flawless, and uh, he, he's the subject of our next series now. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, mm, Aaron. Mm. On uh, Michael, like Gordon said he's a very straightforward guy, which makes him perfect for the role. Essentially, there's no quirks to his personality. There's no he fits the character. There's no ill-fitting aspect to his character that m- makes it hard for him to lose himself in the role of a cop he fits that uh he's, he's comfortable in that and after final option gordon did feel uh, he wanted to squeeze something more out of that persona than just being the image of a cop and uh he, he felt that michael had been and become a symbol of a good cop how a good one should behave and that that's why he felt he needed him especially in this story as a contrast to to anthony who's walking those black and white gray sort of lines of uh, being a cop mm. hanging with the triads and on anthony uh, Everybody knew he was considered a good actor. He was an award-winning actor. He had won uh, the Best Actor Award for The Untold Story at this point, and he's uh, won a couple of times since then. But he was not box office gold, and he could. He was even seen as a guy who does Z-grade films. Uh, but Anthony has always been open with saying that I need to work to support my family, and um, material isn't necessarily why I say yes to movies. I say yes for the salary. Sometimes... Uh, it shows that uh, he's not in it that much, but when he's really in it, he's elite, as I as I often say. Uh, but G- Gordon um, actually had a working relationship with Anthony before he um, worked on uh, the movie Armageddon, which, which is a 1997 movie with him and Andy Lau. And he saw, uh, maybe it's shallow, but uh, he, he saw something visual that could be done um, with uh, the characters of Anthony and Michael being next to each other, these uh, contrasts. And perhaps specifically... And even more so at this time, because Anthony was ill during filming. He he was diagnosed with a thyroid disorder and he took steroids for a time, which made him gain weight. But um, he was always working at the height of his illness. He was doing option zero for Dante Lam. And it, it, was, it was not a sit down part. You know, it had action and things like that. Anthony did express uh, fear that his changed look might mean being rejected or replaced in the role. But Gordon said your look and his look doesn't matter it doesn't matter for the acting you will be able to impress through 
acting. And, and to be honest, as, as they talk about in the extras and on the commentary with Bay Logan, it's not a bad... I mean, it, it's not a showy part where, look at me, I'm fat! But <laughs> he doesn't need to be this chiseled cop. He's, he's a little bit of a slob and he's lived a life and he's living this sort of gambling life and drinking life. He does drugs as well. So to have that look, that, that body isn't necessarily a, an ill fit for, for the role. It's not like he, he can't run around. He obviously does, and he can perform yeah. action. No, so. it's a perfect fit, isn't it? It's a, it's a perfect fit for the film, as you know, uh, actors do and have been known to do. They'll gain or lose weight for a role. In actual fact, it suited Anthony Warren, this role, it being that and, and you know, what he was and the size and stuff, because the, the role kind of gravitated towards that. So it worked really well, actually. And he made a full recovery as well, and yeah. uh, and obviously um, his uh, uh, he could uh, regain the weight that he was uh, he was comfortable with after his uh, treatment had uh, concluded. Uh, Beast Cops wasn't a winner with the paying audience, as we hinted at. Um, in 1998, it failed to make the top ten um, of uh, the top ten list of uh, local movies in 1998 with its uh, eight million Hong Kong dollars uh, uh, gross. Gordon speaks of. He knew that this wasn't a commercial movie. It was a more personal piece than anything he's ever done. So, so there was little chance to sort of estimate sales um, due to that, but also due to piracy uh, and the subject combined. It was hard to estimate sales, uh, but but it did uh, end up uh, outside of the top ten. The ninth and tenth movies in the top ten made about ten million. So uh, it wasn't maybe it was within the top twenty certainly, but it was it was certainly no rival for the big guns that year because the top movie of nineteen ninety eight was Storm Riders with its uh, forty one million, and the Jackie Chan movie Who Am I made thirty eight million Hong Kong dollars. So that was that year. Uh, however, the Hong Kong Film Awards saw the strengths and qualities and rewarded Beast Cops with a mighty five Hong Kong Film Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director for Gordon Chan and Dante Lam, Best Screenplay and Best Actor going to Anthony Wong. And finally, Patrick Tam playing Pushy Pin received the Best Supporting Actor statuette. So even though Michael wasn't nominated, it's sort of all swell that ends well for, for the production, I suppose, and its uh, reputation certainly hasn't um, faded. Uh, over the years. I think it's still a fondly remembered uh, quite different movie. But uh, let's uh, transition into talking of this uh, fondly remembered different movie. So uh, let me throw over to you for for a short opinion uh, first of all of uh, Beast Cops this um, rewatch and all of that. So Still resonates today. Still love the film. As I've always said, it's always interesting to revisit films when you're looking specifically at a an actor or anybody in a film. So that adds a little bit of a different dimension for me. Anthony Wong obviously is is superb in this film. One of his best um I I, I just love him as his character. He works so well for him. And um for me, Michael Wong in this he is perfect. He's absolutely perfect for this role. This is the kind of film where he absolutely nails it, I have to say. The film in its entirety is great. But um, Michael really does nail the role, and it's because, although, like you say, Gordon wanted to give him something more than just that, and there is a little bit more to it, it's just that the role suits him perfectly to to what he can give, um, and he gets that out of him. Gordon clearly... um understands him well uh, yeah. having worked exactly. with him on um, well four movies really he's in Thunderbolt too so um, we, which is enjoyable uh, you know, Michael is part of the section of Thunderbolt that feels like 
oh, Ringo Lam must have done this because there's a violent, oh, Kirk Wong, because there's a violent shootout in a police station, like Jackie Chan racing movie, folks. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Is it behind the shootout racing movie? <laughs> but it's great, but it, uh, Thunderbolt feels like there's uh, way too many cooks in the kitchen, and oddly enough, it sort of works out. I don't know how they did it, but oddly enough, it sort of works out. There's a lot of wrong with it, but it's very entertaining. Um, anyway, I really like uh, Beast Cops still as well. It, it, as I said, it does things quite differently in terms of style and mood. Um, but, but nevertheless, I think it's a pretty complex portrait of honor and loyalty and that intertwined world of cops and triads and um, the perspective each cop brings. Uh, I, Anthony Michael and uh, to a degree Sam Lee's uh, character as well. That means Michael Wong's character is of great interest, even if this is Anthony's uh, movie, really. And expect something more substantial than just calculated violence, even though this has a killer finale that fulfills the promise of depth and nuance. It isn't this tacked-on finale. But more importantly, Phil, top billing for Michael Fitzgerald fucking Wong. He's <laughs> he's he's the first actor that uh, at that line of actors. Michael Fitzgerald Wong and Anthony Wong, and then maybe Sam Lee and Patrick Tam. Uh, so I was like, yes, 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 but the makers knew who the star was. <laughs> Like he's he's box office gold and Anthony is box office poisons. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but when I watch the first, because obviously the first time, when you watch it and you forget Michael to a certain extent, because Anthony's that good. Look in this role, he's that good. Uh, he, I mean, he said it himself. He lives, he lives that. There's nothing else but that when he does a role, and you can see it when he plays this character. He's that he, he's living that role, and he does, and he's that good. Michael's just in the background. There's a scene, there's scenes that happen and stuff, and you get, you know, Anthony there. But you know, Michael does a good job when I revisited this and watched it again, and you and you get um, Michael and his character and what it is and stuff because he lets Anthony act. You know, it sucks off and bless him, he does and stuff. But, you know, Michael, to a certain extent, holds his own because in the realms of the character that he's got, you know, he can do that. Um, and there's some nice interaction and scenes with them. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong, it's, it's Anthony's movie, you know, in the end, obviously, obviously depicts that. But um, there's some nice scenes building up to it. And I, and I quite enjoyed that and revisiting that and just watching it from Michael's side and what he was doing and how he was interacting as a character before it was always Anthony because your eyes were always fixed on him but you know I have to give credit to Michael for you know stepping up to the plate and giving something in this one it's probably his best performance I've seen so far so. I, I I think so very much so because he's a part of the that examination that the movie does and, and yeah. he doesn't do it in a an arty way or stops the movie in its track uh, or anything uh, you know you, you watch this cop and you realize after a while uh, as the voiceover goes on in the opening scene at the gambling den that uh, oh he's a cop he's isn't uh, this visitor to the illegal gambling den and he, he you know you wonder if he's a cop that has accepted the lay of the land if you will like uh, illegalities mm-hmm. like gambling and prostitution you don't need to bust that necessarily you know you need to sort of assimilate and immerse yourself in the world to get things done perhaps so you're not uh, taking for granted that he's given up um, yeah. He seems a bit relaxed. Uh, Michael even calls him on that their crime-solving rates are super low. Him and Sam Lee's. You you do watch to see if uh, Tung is a character that uh, knows how to create balance and create harmony, and even by getting respect by the triads, they, they call him brother. That isn't perhaps a bad thing. You know, it, it doesn't mean he's corrupt or anything. And uh, I really like that uh, grungy gambling den. It's a fantastic set, really. It's like a maze with these standing um, 
not cages, but uh, standing bars and the fluorescent lights. And there doesn't seem to be any easy way out. And that's the setting for the finale as well. You know what you're getting. You're kind of getting a cop. <clears throat> He's a gambler. He's like, all of a sudden, you know, you kind of get the feel for what that character is going to be because you can kind of see he's not going to be this straight lace cart you know into why he's going to you're going to be this you know in the middle of walking a fine line between the two and stuff so it's a nice kind of setup at the start of the movie just to set the the, the character's stores out so to speak but, but but also it's an evening of work in this uh, opening scene that they're possibly going to try and bust um, a, a drug business which might clash with perceived friends and allies Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, Roy Chung's character has just sent sent in this sort of mainland assassin that say, I, I, "I got it, boss. You, I'll take right and then left." And you, you think to yourself, <laughs> "He's going to take left." Yeah, exactly. But in the shaky assassination, and I, when I mean shaky, it's it's sort of shaky as uh, as done, but also as conveyed. It's it's played with great reality and part awkwardness and part humor. But I think that is well conceived action. The violence of this movie and the depths, it, it tends to happen quickly in an in, in brutal, matter-of-fact fashion. Uh, and, uh, you know, even gunfire shots, uh, Foley, isn't that fake manufactured uh, Foley or anything? You know, the violence is quite felt and brutal. Uh, the, the, that assassin eventually is hit by a car and squeezed between two, uh, two cars and then his head smashes through the window of a van that's uh, parked. And that is very well planned and it's reminded... You're reminded of that uh, um, the world of cops and robbers and triads. In the 90s, it seemed to be uh, a bit fun, a bit rock and roll, young and dangerous, but was partly guilty of that. But here's a movie that uh, doesn't make it fun, and it's uh, it lingers on uh, in you and on you and whatever that um, it it's gonna happen quick. And it's good the way it sets, like say, setting the story like, very very quickly. Very easily you get into it. You understand the brutality of, of that scene. You you know what you're going to get with the film and stuff. This isn't going to paint, you know, as a pretty, pretty picture. This is this is going to have some, you know, violence throughout it. So, you know, and that, that introduction to, to Anti-Wong is fitting and you know exactly where you are with the character straight from the start. And it's the same then when we get to, obviously, Michael Wong. Who's looking at who's looking his absolute best, by the way. I, I think this period is when he clearly looks his best. Is yeah. uh, is charismatic? I think he's got good presence. He looks very handsome and clearly comfortable in the cop role, which doesn't mean it's a clean role. He uh, in, in the flashback, obviously, he makes a tough decision by and he shoots his uh, his superior who's holding someone at gunpoint, and uh, that uh, fl- flashback in uh, sort of monochrome, almost black and white that uh, ends on you know blood pouring out of the guy that's the sort of imagery that can haunt you as a viewer and obviously might haunt a person that uh, because you, you can just ima- imagine that if he shot his own superior officer he wasn't you know carried on the shoulders or b- by his uh, colleagues going back to the station probably he was disowned to a degree that's why he's been reassigned and th- that's a nice not overplayed uh, not melodramatic backstory to to Michael's um, sort of straightforward character that he, uh, yeah. you know, he, he did what he had to do, but uh, that was uh, not uh, something you're going to get a medal and pat on the back for necessarily uh, throughout your entire career. Not really. No, no. I like I like the little nod at the, uh, obviously, when he goes into the, the new station and the uh, the inspector's there and stuff, and he's got his medal, he's shining in his face. Stuff. I got one of them, and it was just like Michael Wong turns around and goes, yeah, I got three of them. 
it's like okay his name is the same as in the case of the cold fish by the way michael chung but uh, i doubt this is the the sort of uh, dramatic spin-off from a case of yeah. the cold fish but it, it's, it's kind of interesting that uh, that uh, gordon and uh, his uh, writer kept uh, mike chung rather than uh, michael wong well of course you are because why wouldn't you be there's some strong interaction in the sync sound i think uh thankfully this movie was uh, shot in sync sound that uh I like, uh, I mean, we're going a little bit scene by scene here, but whatever. I, I like that Michael stands out. He notices in the discussion that uh, he asks for Anthony Wong's tongue. Where is he? Well, he's in a nightclub. A cop in a nightclub. And you notice that he disapproving to a degree, but not uh, without. He's not going to scold them right there and there. I like this neat world building, Phil. They, they build contrasting characters and morals and ethics, but uh, Gordon Chan and Dante Lam. They're not uh, asking us to decide after 10 minutes that Anthony's wrong, Michael is right, Samley, Samley, Samley. <laughs> yeah, you can see it though, and that's, what, that's what's so good about it. You can see the kind of almost not disdain, but really, is he? He's a nightclub. So, and he conveys that. You, you kind of get it, uh, which is, you know, uh, that's we're talking from Michael Wonk here, by the way, guys. We're talking, you know, he's acting that he portrays something that isn't being said, but actually you can see it, by the way. That he portrays that, so he's he's not saying no to that, and he, but you can see the uncomfortableness of that. Really, I shouldn't, but you know, I'm going to etc. You know, I'm here for the. You know, and you know, he he's the low energy guy versus Anthony and Kathy yeah. Chow to a degree, oh. but uh, he he observes his own environment. I think. I mean, Kathy is sort of ditzy and sad and all over the place and completely adorable. <laughs> uh, uh, but so he's not disapproving yeah. of her s- status as this um, uh, mama-san of the uh, of the uh, club or anything. He just sort of asks her uh, kindly about herself. I think uh, obviously he's signaling that he isn't there for what she thinks he is there for or anything. He's not off the VIP treatment. Uh, there's a nice twist to his character. He, he's not trying to take advantage of the fact that uh, oh I can go home with Yo-Yo and uh, make love to her. But I, I loved a little bit. Um, where uh, I think they both say, well, you can pick any girl you like. Well, uh, I, I want you. And and he says in English, and I love his soft-spoken, Michael's very soft-spoken delivery. You're very nice. <laughs> and I, I love that sincerity. He's very soft, relaxed delivery. Uh, he's not the hard SDU man here. He's not Stone Wong. He's sort of going with the flow. He follows Yo-Yo home. He offers to change her light bulb, which is exactly what he does. That's not code for anything else, people. <laughs> <laughs> What's that code for, Ken? And it's code for changing a light bulb. And, and uh, I don't know, it, it makes it unusual that the movie focuses on uh, these uh, day-to-day activities and uh, it's not calculated romance uh, necessarily. Yeah. And uh, he's not sort of like, well, I can go to a nightclub and I can take drugs and I can go uh, go to bed, whatever I like. Uh, you've kind of like. established, you've established the relationship between them two, both of them then, and you're kind of comfortable certainly was watching them because all of a sudden you've got that. And the, the, the softly spoke of Michael Wong against the, obviously Anthony Wong is loud and bigger. If you had somebody that was trying to match that, you, you wouldn't have worked and, and it works really well. So it sets it up quite nicely for the movie. Now you've got these partners and you believe in them, which is great. And he's kind of still good at taking command of the room where as an authority, yeah. even if Tung and Sam Lee might not be scared into changing their ways. Um, they, you know, they have their ways and structure and uh, work ethic, flawed as it might uh, be. 
and for a while I think it's very the movie doesn't need to and I don't, don't, don't know what you thought of this but the movie doesn't need to kickstart its plot because for a while I think it's rather fun to watch Michael interact with his opposite Tung the sort of happy-go-lucky veteran cop um, there's more to him but he is the happy-go-lucky veteran cop yeah. so like hey you got a hammer <laughs> look at that this is my apartment it's full of crap <laughs> trash essentially sometimes it's okay for the movie to not uh, think about plot for 10-15 minutes if the actors are good together you know yeah you don't think about it you don't yeah because some movies it's like it's a bit of a lull and you're like mm, yeah but in in this case no it's quite you, you you take that journey with them which is you know sign of uh, good acting to be fair and, and good you know we, we talked about it before but uh, it's it's worth mentioning that uh, when actors are good together it's always a blessing to have uh, live sound uh, even on the busy streets of Hong Kong, uh, they do uh, live sound and convincingly so. And uh, I think uh, Michael, uh, especially compared to Miles Apart, <laughs> doesn't speak a lot of English here. He uh, keeps it that uh, on the down low and speaks more Chinese. And but, but they do paint him as a cop who's American, so they don't. Uh, obviously, there's no hiding that because mm. he is mixed. Uh, but um, I like that Michael uh, took on more Chinese and little little minor nuggets. Like you're very nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What, what did you think of the select fourth wall stuff when the characters talk to the yeah, camera? Yeah, see, that's interesting because um, when it happens, the stuff it's not quite you, you're not kind of expecting it, and then it crops up, and you're like, oh, uh, uh, okay. And you know, yeah, Anthony Wong's kind of there and stuff, and he's on the streets of Hong Kong, and he, he delivers, you know, breaking the fourth wall, and all of a sudden he's speaking to you, and then Sam Lee, and and you're like, well, really, okay, and. I remember watching the first time going, that's that's a bit weird. And I'm watching it revisiting again and stuff. I, I didn't find it weird. I quite I quite enjoyed it. And it kind of tied into the, when they're having the conversations on the sidewalk kind of thing. I actually feel like, though, whether it should be there or whether they were going to do more with that throughout the film, but then didn't because maybe pacing or it, it wouldn't quite work. Um, so it's interesting. It's kind of quirky. It actually doesn't feel like it should be there, but kind of works. I mean, I kind of like that anyway. But yeah, if you're going to do it, do it through you know little bits in the movie. But they, but they didn't. Maybe it was an idea they thought they'd try, and then editing it decided to. Who knows? So yeah, it's one of those. Uh, I haven't listened to the full commentary, uh, which, which is sort of Bay uh, Logan interviewing Gordon Chan, which is uh, which is a good mixture. I remember Gordon saying that. Uh, he wanted some place to uh, speak of uh, the, the nuance and the depth and the themes of the film. And he placed that in those sections as characters talk about, uh, you know, both financial stuff. But obviously Michael is the one who verbalizes that uh, there's white, there's black and there's no gray area. There's cops and there's robbers. And Tung is in more in the gray area, which might be beneficial for crime solving, even, even if it's not seemingly working at the moment. But Michael is of the firm opinion that there's law and there's uh you know uh, and uh, there's those who do not follow the law i think the movie's writing is so good that i i, I wasn't um and, and they work in this theme quite uh, quite well that i wasn't bothered by it either um be it short and sweet enough and uh yeah. and i'm glad it was there because it, it i gained an understanding of what was going on in the movie and the movie ha- has it sidesteps the traditional storytelling 
anyway with little uh, mini stories with Sam Lee for instance he has an STD at one point and then he meets, uh, meets an old classmate and he thinks he's going to go on a date with her but uh, she brings her boyfriend and wah, wah, wah. and <laughs> that works fairly well I think it's uh, charming and the movie is uh, on the move anyway and doesn't forget its purpose so they sort of earned that but it, it's a risky venture obviously way yeah, it's way a risky, venture. risky venture but then again Michael Wong is rolling around in the Humvee so you know <laughs> because uh like biggest car biggest car yeah, biggest, car. biggest car in the world ever on the streets fun car well done my goal i mean i mean it is even um it, it is even funny at points that's uh even before before that hammer and bus chase scene i think uh, anthony is faking that he's roughing off someone and uh and then when the robbers uh exit uh maybe the jewelry store and run onto the bus his first reaction anthony is is there a movie being made? And then, oh, there's a crime. So there's a crime going out. But I'm going after him then. But 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 there's no like queued up cheap gags in the film. I think uh, the, the, those are well chosen. Like for instance, when Stephanie Chair comes into Michael's bedroom, Michael now rents Anthony's old bedroom, so she thinks he's in there, and uh, he doesn't turn around because he's sort of frozen. Like. Oh boy, what did I do? I think, uh, and then she exits, and Anthony comes out of the bath- bathroom. How, like, <laughs> how did you get there? And then poor old Stephanie has to be surrounded by three shirtless men in one scene <laughs> one chiseled, one very thin, and one uh, one that gladly takes off his shirt as well and uh, and uh, flashes his uh, man boobs, which is Anthony Wong. So poor old Stephanie is surrounded by. A thespian, uh, the expert at SD at SDU acting, and uh, Sam Lee, fresh from his made in Hong Kong stint, and still, um, still probably a skateboarding electrician, which he was before he did made in Hong Kong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But those gags, I mean, like, like it's a beneficial for the movie to, for you know, to lighten up the thing, or maybe beneficial for the characters or such, or. I don't know. It just gives a bit of uh, humanity to him, doesn't it? You, you, they could come off as if you played it completely, kind of straight laced throughout it. You know, you don't you don't feel for them as such, but there's you know it's grounded in you know what they are and what they're doing. That you know, you've got you vested interest in them, and that's what it's all about. You, you you've got to give them dimensions. You can't just play them as you know these, you know, because they are human beings, and you believe in that. And that it builds up throughout the film, so you, you want to understand where the journey is going to take him, and you you feel. I, for I mean, him. in the case of Tung, he's uh, trying to connect to Stephanie Chia's character, even yeah. though she's a prostitute. She visits him on the reg, but but he's he's actually kind of genuinely trying to connect uh, to her, and mm. uh, that's uh, comes with its share of disappointments, so uh, which I think is a nice underlying uh, 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 sort of emotional beat of the movie without. Uh, uh, without it being melodramatic or, or anything, um, so so you're right. It, that's well spotted. That that adds humanity because it it humiliates into those um, those moments that uh, crafts this world. And uh, then Anthony shows Michael, you know, the ropes. You know, what what are the rules of the street at three a.m. in in the morning? You know, what are the allegiances and the regulations? Uh, they might be very fluid. Those. Um, regulations and um, but but you need to immerse yourself on 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 the streets at 2 a.m and 3 a.m and he seems to know what is um uh, what he's doing and what is acceptable and w- what you should pursue in terms of uh who you should you know book for arrest and who and who you shouldn't like including the Arthur Wong cameo as uh, brother Tai, the one who eats his uh, custard uh, tarts 
uh, he can park wherever he likes and not get a ticket. And that's a sort of insight into it's not worth pursuing him for, for that, but yeah. rather look at the big picture instead. And and that means, my, my, my point for now, that Anthony, he isn't a slob who's lost his focus. He knows the streets well enough. And perhaps his choice to... To, to immerse himself in, in, into the world with tribes and hang with them and even be called brother, that's not a sign of, oh, he's lost, he's corrupt, and uh, get him out or arrest him. That's not the wrong way, you know. And that's the education of the piece, and that's why he's trying to educate him. That's to take him on the streets, and he shows him this and that and the other just to say, you know, you know, this is the way that it is and stuff. And, you know, if you want to be here, you know, if not, go back to your <clears throat> country lifestyle and stuff. But this is the way it is for us. This is what we do to get by. You know, you know, the believe in that or not, and that's the kind of journey. And it, and it is there's a lot, a long portion of the film that you know, everything we've talked about. There's um not a gunshot, not a you know, a knife thrown. Whether well, there's, there's an assassination we come on to, but you know, there's there's lots of talking in the side in the streets, etc. But you still you're still captivated. You're captivated by the characters because, that, like I say, they're portrayed so well. But but the the sort of underlying thing is that. Um... It's not a healthy world, Ivory. There, there yeah. is there is violence, there is danger. You know, when jealousy is uh, created in the young and power-hungry, in the case of Patrick Tam's character, that brings a dangerous edge to the film. Mm. And I think that uh, makes for the most sort of chilling violence in the yeah, film. I mean, I mean, it's singled out in the extra to always leave the attack on Michael when he's visiting the newspaper stand. It's great and chaotic, but the most chilling aspects is the fact that the girls that follow the boys that uh, initiate the attack on the orders of Pushy Pin, they love seeing that. Look, someone got stabbed! Yay! And that, that, that <laughs> is yeah. chilling as hell, man. Like, this coldness, like, they, they don't see the reality of that uh, violence even when they see someone's arm getting nearly chopped off. Yeah. Uh, it switches, um, you know, you think you're sort of relaxed watching the movie and then that happens out of the blue. <laughs> it is, exactly, yeah. It just all of a sudden smacks you around the face and goes, there you go, hold on a second. You know, this isn't just some nice, you know, buddy cop movie and stuff. We're going to we're gonna, we're gonna, gonna do that. Um, so you've got the nice scenes with Michael and, and Anthony and the, the chatting and stuff, but underlying, obviously, Patrick Tam, Pushy Pin's going to, unsettle that and he's going to put um, Arthur Wong has put his play in the pushy pin will obviously you know kind of take over and, and start to, to move things in a different way than obviously Roy Chung was before we were, he kind of left and obviously Michael Wong starts to uh, step into that arena to say no enough's enough and that obviously gives uh, Anthony Wong something to uh, think about in his uh, black and white and, and grey areas so um and he, ne- he never beats you over the head with uh, with these uh, themes. They, they establish them, but then the story is unfolding uh, na- naturally. I mean, we had used to some pretty shoddy villains post Young and Dangerous 1. In Young and Dangerous 1, you had Francis mm, as Ugly Quan, which was a great highlight of that one. But th- then they struggled to get some villains. But um, Patrick Tam is really good here as Pushy Pin. He's, n- yeah. knows how to navigate to the top, how to exact revenge, even though he's made out of je- uh, crafted out of jealousy. And what cards to play versus Tung, their little um, confrontation in the police station. Yeah, it's yeah. really effective, Clever. and it's. Uh, I at that point I really felt like mesmerized, and I admired the the sharp and well construct, constructed script, despite the random tangents that we think we've seen before. It actually is, isn't that that random, and it builds towards 
its uh, goals and uh, and uh, really when he starts introducing Roy again I really think Roy deserved a best supporting actor nod he didn't get one he really inhabited this soft version of a big brother which Roy rarely did. Uh, Roy was the animal in Ringo Lamb's uh, movies, and he and he was great at it. But he's yeah, exactly. Oh God, he always was. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Maybe because yeah, it's not in a lot of the movie, and I know he comes. Well, right well in. a best supporting nod. You know, even uh, yeah. uh, even the Hollywood actors who were who were in like movies for a couple of minutes got like best supporting actor Oscars at one yeah. point. So so, uh, and and I love the line that uh, Roy says when he comes back after having fled. That I never had to rob for money before. I, I, mm. I need help here. That, that, that speaks volumes that he has risen through the ranks through milder means and the life is taking a toll on him. Uh, like his choice of being mild isn't beneficial. And yeah. uh, he, he has a connection to Anthony Wong where, where they speak of that, you know, things between triad and cops were simpler back then. The code of brotherhood was different and you and got your results. And uh, what's... What, could be tropey writing really comes to life uh, in these exchanges, especially that scene at the sauna where Anthony and uh, Roy are talking. And uh, I, it, it's probably amazing to people to jump from, you know, prison on fire, where Roy Chung is that vicious, uh, intense uh, prison yeah, warden. <laughs> exactly to and that. To see, and to see his very soft uh, demeanor. So I really and, uh, and he does it well because obviously prior to obviously Anthony and. And Roy having that um, heart to heart where uh, I noticed England are playing in the background on the TV. <laughs> Just one of those things. Um, I was like, like, really? like was does it fit the 1998 timeline or was, it, was the World Cup on? I think it was something like, I'm sure that was that, was that Paul Gascoigne. <laughs> so I was like, wow, my God, I'm getting old. And uh, But, you know, the, coming back to Roy Chung, there's a, there's a transition there as well because obviously the scene before, um, he goes after Michael Wong with an axe and stuff and he yep. plays kind of that character that you, you're all well in love and then all of a sudden he's having that, you know, quiet word. And so it's testament, you're right, there's probably, um, and there probably should have been a nod to him because uh, he, plays it, he plays it really well for what he's given um, to do uh, and portray um, and where he carries obviously uh, eventually ends up... Um, but uh, Patrick Tam probably uh, steals it from him just because he just he plays it so well, and 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 that's the one uh, you want to see him kind of get his just dessert, so to speak. I mean, I mean, he's a punk, but w- many times, even when Roy Chung was a villain twice in the Young and Dangerous movies, he he was the villain in three, and then he was a new villain in four. Like, welcome to Hong Kong cinema. You're, <laughs> you're coming back, but. Uh, pe- Patrick is this young punk that um, still has a dangerous edge to him, um, uh, despite you know being more probably concerned with his looks and uh, rising through the ranks. There's still a menace there that's uh, really good and uh, well deserved in terms of the best supporting actor um, uh, award that he got. Mm. Uh, the ending shouldn't be spoiled, but uh, my, my non non spoiler notes, and then I'll hand over to you because uh, I think that that will be the end of my note logically. It's a very pretty ultra-violent uh, ending with uh, Anthony Wong on every conceivable drug and alcohol, and it really speaks uh, volumes about Tung's place in the grey, the sense of loyalty that he must display, um, not necessarily as a cop at that point. He must try and sort of realign the dynamic between cops and triads, but uh, you know he's running out of choices. This is the only way. Violence is the only way. Triad revenge despite being a cop and the technical chaos through shaky shaky camera I don't think conceals the impact i think uh, the danger and the violence in that 
gambling den that the ending takes place in that we saw at the beginning of the movie it uh, it works that shaky style it feels so otherworldly and anthony owning that scene through through his cool his seemingly um you know his uh, his whacked out state means he also doesn't feel pain and he has some great little just mad beats you know when he walks in the alleyway and he, when he like like come out come out wherever you are it's sort of <laughs> yeah. his, uh, it's sort of his shining moment uh you know here's johnny but uh it's 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 just uh it's a frenzy that's also a drugged up frenzy and uh, and by the way Wong bled for the film yeah, when uh, when the, he gets the fluorescent light um, smashed over his head, they had a blood tube that was going to pump out blood, um, but his body did the work for him instead. He actually bled. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's it's kind of uh, I remember Anthony's uh, interview on the DVD where he sort of he came to a realization uh, as an actor. Like, oh, I'm bleeding. Oh, okay. This is the this is the movie, all right. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this is Hong Kong movies. And yes, there's gunplay here, but it, it's not reminiscent of Hong Kong action cinema that you that you know from before. And its context, I think, having examined what we talked about, is decidedly different. Uh, you know how Tung got to this point, uh, this animalistic frenzy. So, uh, but yeah. But so, what are your thoughts on the ending without spoiling it? That ending is just iconic. You know, you talk about you know, fight scenes or where it, the scene and stuff. It doesn't matter from a from the point of view. It fits the the film so well and. Uh, and what he's doing and in, in, in the state that he's in, you can imagine him being like, but he plays it so well. And this is why, you know, when you first watch it, it was all about Anthony Wong. It was all about, it was, oh, you got to watch Beast Cops, the end of Beast Cops, the end of Beast Cops is like, just mad, you know, it's just great. And it, and it still holds that kind of childlike view today in that respect, because it's so gritty and, and guerrilla style and, and kind of real. And it's great, and it's not what you see kind of every day, the, the, especially Hollywood films and stuff. Um, it's shot so well. There's nice riffs in there, the slow-mo, you know, there's cameras on the knives, and then all of a sudden, you know, someone's getting stabbed. It's just it's just a frenzy, as you say. But... And people are also scared out of their, yeah. out of their wits yeah. uh, because, they, you know, they might have been tough guys before, but they, this, is, they, this is scary. They, they, this is more than just... Uh, seeing your buddies chop someone up on the street they they've never seen an animal like this and uh, and as a result uh, that that happens that they show cowardice and um and react in other ways as well yeah yeah at times and stuff yeah they do and uh, and it fits it so well and then it's beautiful i i love the crescendo that gets to this and then and a film that delivers and god god the ending delivers absolutely delivers you know again if you're gonna you want to deliver something as a as a director go and watch the the end of this film it's going to give you everything that you want from a uh, a maniacal frenzied um bloodbath um with every emotion with every kind of an entity one knows it as you say and stuff walking down that alley and he's got that that look on his face and just the camera at times when he does it he, he just plays it so well it's just brilliantly shot as well it's clever not not a lot of times um, uh, action directors and directors can argue for a shaky camera style, but I think oh, exactly. Gordon and his uh, action director, who did the action? Uh, Yun Tak did the action for this one. And they argue very well that um, the, the chaos needs that camera style, but we need to maintain the impact, and they certainly do. 
So it's a it's a different kind of um, martial arts direction, um, you know, than uh, than Yuntak probably did in his career. But uh, well deserved. I, I don't remember offhand if uh, this got an action nod or, or not. But uh, uh, certainly that field was busy. Uh, I'm sure Jackie's uh, and his team's action for who am I was nominated. Maybe Storm Riders as well. Who knows? But uh, uh, but uh, the context here is strong for this type of violence. So. Uh, so, any other notes? Uh, any other fun stuff? I mean, the, is Sam Lee someone who like, hey, look, he's fun. He's kind of odd. He, he's a cop. Well, apparently, <laughs> like, like, was his little side stories uh, fun or not? Sam Lee's fun and stuff. You just concentrate on the characters that much. You don't really, um, well, I don't really notice him. He's nice little quirks and stuff, but you just want to get back to to the Wongs, to be honest and stuff, um, and see what's going on. I, I like the little. Um, the the quieter moments, this the sidewalk moments that um, Anthony and Michael had, and the the uh, interaction between the two, I just thought that added to the film. Sometimes you just need to line up actors that you know fit this movie and have them interact a little bit, and that'll yeah. be uh, great. And uh, I think Gordon was spot on. It does have wanted to squeeze more out of Michael, but combine him with Anthony. I think that was a really a stroke of genius. As it as it turned out, you never know, of course, but uh, as it turned out. And obviously Sam Lee, you know, was just rough and ready and still quite so there. And obviously did Made in Hong Kong when they just pulled him out of kind of nowhere. And You know what was funny, by the way? I, I didn't remember this from hearing the commentary before, but Gordon said that despite his, uh, I think he won an award for, for Made in Hong Kong. So despite mm. winning the award and being in movies, I think he, uh, he was going on to Fruit Chance, second movie, Longest Summer, maybe had already shot it. Despite that, Sam was still um, uh, concluding his electrician's course. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, just carried on as normal, which was great and stuff. <laughs> I mean, even like Anthony Wong, I remember him saying and stuff, you know, he learned something from Sam Lee, just the, you know, the freshness, the, the, the different things he used to do because he was just, it was raw. It was kind of raw talent, so to speak, and stuff. And even Anthony picked up from that and stuff, which was appreciated of it. So, you know, he took something from it as well. So, yeah, there, there there is a nice um, there's a nice character and curve to to Sam Lee's character as well. But um, for me, it was about the main characters. Uh, just the film end to end is it, beautiful. The the opening in kind of the Hong Kong in the neon lights, I loved. It reminded me a little bit of Yellow Thread Street. If you'd slow that music down, you kind of get Beast Cops strange. But that's the way mine work. I kind of like that and stuff. So that that kind of took me all of a sudden we're gonna get this cop thing which it was that that's it for me the guerrilla style filming yeah great I, I i love the ending right on my street can't recommend it hardly enough it was a late uh, 90s um classic and and uh, and, and indeed probably uh, the the best movie of 1998 when all was said and done and done so um so so yeah it would be shame it like a uh, best picture storm riders like over beast cops what? really yeah jesus <laughs> no I get the most money, but you know that's 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 public for you, fickle. All right, yeah. As for availability of Beast Cops, uh, I couldn't spot a Blu-ray release, uh, at least not an English subtitled one. But the excellent, uh, excellent uh, UK special edition DVD from Hong Kong Legends is still around. It's not expensive, so thankfully it's not one of those like, aha, eighty pounds. Uh, uh, it's a valuable package though because you get a director Gordon Chan and Bay Logan audio commentary. Uh, new interviews with Gordon, uh, Anthony Wong, and actress Stephanie Chia. Uh, no Michael Wong. I think he was asked, but uh, did decline. But uh, nevertheless, a package that brings uh, insight into um, into the movie, and uh, it's uh, it's still a strong package. So go get it. 
that's us for this uh, first uh, extensive discussion uh, after the music break we're gonna take a look at uh, uh, without any making off parts uh, as such like full disclosure we did ask the writer of uh, miles apart keith humphrey for an interview for this um, uh, this episode but he kindly uh, declined which is fine but not a lot of people answer at all so i was very happy that he did answer <laughs> you quite happy. yeah he did get back to it which is nice to him you know people don't have to so you know yeah, obviously that's uh, much appreciated it would have been nice to get an insight but you know but, 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 but he did drop a little uh, line saying that he, he loved the experience and he loved working in hong kong with michael so uh so it, it was not a a uh, experience as a writer on miles apart that was a sour one or anything or a bad one so uh, that was good, but regardless of the music break, we're going to take a look at Michael Wong's directorial debut called Miles Apart from 2000, so we'll be right back. And welcome back, and uh, we didn't mention it, but uh, I think it was evident in the discussion that we're, we were both on the side of Wong, and certainly no wrong to be found anywhere, really, in Beast oh. Cops. So it's a shared Wong for both uh, me and Phil. We'll see what happens here with Miles Apart from 2000, which is, again, the, the, the directorial debut of Michael Wong. And the plot from IMDb, Miles Ma, played by Michael Wong, Chief Inspector of Crime 2 Division at Mongkok Police Precinct, has been tasked with bringing down the local triad's VCD, pirating operation. Struggling with the death of his wife, he submerges himself in his work and distances himself from his new love, Janice, played by Cecilia Yip. During a police raid on the VCD distribution outlet, Miles finds... A heroine piggybacked uh, with the VCD shipments, triggering, triggering a full-scale battle with the triad boss Quok. Miles soon finds himself arrested for rape and discovers he is set up by his old friend and colleague CK, played by Moses Chan, who is secretly working with Quok. So, um, there, there's no making up ba- making off background there uh, because uh, we didn't get a chance to interview uh, the writer Keith Humphrey. Uh, we reached out to Michael as well, but um, he's too busy on TikTok, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! He's good at it, but uh, he is yeah. very good at it and stuff. I, I still, I'm gonna reach out again to Michael. I'm sure we can get him on. But, uh, hey, we've done a full series on you. Throw us a bone, like yeah, that's pa- it. Participate. Throw, throw us a bone. We'll, we'll even add you into the bonus episode. Come on, Michael. <laughs> exactly. Back. Like, hey, yeah, Michael. One, you're very, you're very nice. Okay. <laughs> You're very nice. Uh, so let's uh, go into the movie review uh, immediately. And as for my short opinion on Miles Apart, uh, this was a first time watch. Um, in many ways, a standard police thriller. In many ways, not even remotely close to a good one, unfortunately. As the staging and execution in terms of the character and the drama and, and the acting in general, and, and also the action, it, it, it's pretty stiff and limp. But, but I have to admit one thing, though, Phil. Once the second half storylines kick in with the setup of Miles Mag getting going, the movie was well-paced enough for, like, it provided a decent distraction, but there's otherwise no real distinct directorial voice here. But the second half was paced okay. 
and uh, the first one struggled uh, much more. But uh, this is um, uh, this is a bit of a thumb down. But uh, hey, you you start somewhere with your directorial voice, and it seems like Michael hasn't gotten the opportunity or pursued it uh, since. I mean, he's been working steadily anyway. So, uh, but uh, anyway, that's my sh- short opinion for miles apart. Uh, so, what did you think of uh, Michael's uh, grand old uh, grand old first movie here? Obviously, over the, the, this series, I've been growing a bit of a soft spot for Michael because I, I had no opinion either way. And then when you're starting to analyze the character and looking at him, et cetera, and stuff, he's growing on me like fun guy. Now he's growing out. I got a soft spot for him in my heart. I have Michael, um, which will be um, music to people's ears. Um, but I have to say, um, and I was rooting for him. I really was rooting for him. But th- this wasn't this wasn't good. Uh, I did not enjoy this. And maybe because Beast Cops is so good, um, and then tying it with this, it didn't it didn't pique my interest enough um, for me to go. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm bordering on saying it was okay, and I'm struggling with that. It has some moments, um, but by the end of it, it didn't engage me enough to say um, this was um, good enough for people to hunt down and 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 watch. Uh, so no. For me, this 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 wasn't um, the performance or the direct directorial debut that um, I, I wanted. The usage of sync sound is a good professional start. We, you know, it's, it's probably Michael saying, "It's my movie, it's my voice, and it's going to be heard." Damn it! I can speak as much English as I like, and that goes for the rest of you motherfuckers as well. You're gonna speak <laughs> English. You're gonna speak English. There's very little Chinese here overall, actually. <laughs> It is it, exactly, yeah. You know, I feel sorry for some of the actors that don't come across very well with the English, and it's a li- little bit stagnated. It's Michael's film; he was going to do it his way, and he did. And I don't think it helps. I, I was surprised that he um, didn't, for instance, in the scenes with Cecilia, who, who does okay. But I, I was surprised that, that Michael didn't sort of settle on what they always settled on. That. Uh, People speak Cantonese back to me. I'll speak as much Cantonese as I'm comfortable with, and I'll break into English every now and again, and we'll understand each other, and it'll be no biggie. I was kind of surprised he um, sort of, Moses does okay, uh, probably the the best sort of English performer that has mo that has extensive scenes with Michael Moses Chan playing CK. But um, it, it was um, uh, it was a choice I didn't agree with necessarily. No, I, I didn't, and I have to. I, I disagree because of the opening scenes with with Moses Chan. I did not like at all. I just thought it was very flat and stagnated. I mean, the scene is, but Moses, I think, uh, comes off as a little bit more comfortable um, speaking English in general. But but the scene is flat. Yeah, maybe it's. I just it just didn't it didn't click with me. You know, it's characters we we referred to beast cops and that click and stuff that Moses just didn't click with me at all. I didn't. I did. I didn't believe it. Um, he grew on me towards the end of the film and stuff, and it was better. But at the beginning, it didn't, and that's where it struggled because the opening, the the flicking to to well a lot of English and stuff. It just didn't sit right with me, and it didn't capture me enough. Uh, and I don't know whether that's Michael's direction or the material or or what, but it didn't didn't hook me right from the beginning, and, and that's where the trouble started for me. I mean, I I I, I, I know what you get uh, where you are coming from there, and I, I recognize that uh, as well. And 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 I, as you talked of, you know, you give him a chance, you see what he's capable of making. He's in his comfort zone making a, a police film. It's not an SDU film, but there's cops so 
soap opera drama here and mm. uh, that's been familiar throughout the 90s uh, even got him nominated uh, for um because he, he, he got nominated for the first option uh, movie so uh, i mean that's so so you you use what you're familiar with i suppose and he's got size and decent leadership qualities um uh, he's apparently adhering to the danny lee school of getting info from criminals by beating them so there's a little <laughs> a little bit of that yeah yeah there is that <laughs> uh and and he's also got acting royalty with cecilia yippa on board here which um you know she is flawless but it's, it's a it's a role that you sort of struggle with there's not much to it and there's not not necessarily a, a common plot line that they use here with the pirated VCDs. I, I mean, in Biosombie, yes, they sold it, and then there was a zombie break uh, breakout outbreak. There, there are some unusual strands here, but a lot of it is, is sort of standard and uh, tropey. You know, he, he obviously gets in a mention of a helicopter because uh, <laughs> that, that that's an area he knows, and you know by the end he, because he says, well, I don't fly anymore after my wife died. You obviously know by the end he's going to fly a helicopter again because why would there be a Michael Wong movie without a helicopter flying scene? He's ticking all the boxes for himself. He is. No, he is. Come on, he's just so self-indulgent. It's too much. Too much, Michael. You write, you write what you know, or you ask the writer to write what Michael knows. <laughs> and, then, and then that is true. Like, you know, you do. You write what you know and stuff, and, and that's easy. But there's too much of it. You know, a helicopter pilot, I was doing that. You know he's going to, you know, like, like I say, look, for fans of Michael Wong, you get to see Michael Wong's chopper, and it's not as big as you thought it was. Ha-ha. Mm. Pun in, done. Thank you very much. But on the serious side, come on. I know you got to do something you're comfortable with, and I'm not expecting you to jump out of you, your comfort zone or whatever, but just try and, you know, broaden it slightly. And, and maybe he has, because it is a dramatic uh, role that, you know, he's got the loss of his wife to deal with, etc. and he's hunting it. So he does stretch him and stuff. But like I say, Michael's more, he's better when he's in those comfortable roles rather than stretching. And when he's trying to stretch himself, as well as directing and you know acting as well it's just like it's too much it's a step too far yeah there's um it doesn't come alive and i mean you you referenced the moses chan michael uh, wong scene the dialogue scene where where the bodies are catching up but they're also doing exposition Mm. and it feels very awkward actually it's a little static and it even feels like michael is stumbling over some of his own dialogue but uh he keeps the take despite uh so, so it, <laughs> yeah i'm not doing it again that that's in it's 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 a wrap what really michael you don't want to do that one again it was a little bit no that was well, like we're shooting on film here it costs money so <laughs> exactly time is money people time is money i mean they they, they inject also like, like the what i forgot to mention the, the the vcd piracy was certainly relevant i think still at the time so they, they inject a little bit there but it feels um limp and hardly like this hard-boiled tense plot uh um, whether focusing on Michael, whether focusing on Samuel Lung's character, the, the boy who sells the VCDs out of the trunk, uh, all these dramatic uh, sort of side quests, if you will, like the on the edge cop that carries with him grief, and uh, it doesn't break f- through. You know, yes, he's got a heart of gold and he's kind, but it's stale, unfortunately. And prior movies, including in Beast Cops, his soft spoken uh, mannerism. It has worked as sincerity. Um, you know, in the romance department, he's not very uh, comfortable as a character, so that sort of works. But it, it starts to get awkward really quick. There's only some nuggets where it comes to life, uh, so, some glimpses, uh, some bursts when it comes to life. But um, 
it struggles with uh, the whole with the side stories that make up the main story and uh, I, I don't know if it would have been saved obviously if uh, Cecilia Yip for instance kept speaking Cantonese in the movie and uh, in her sync sound interaction with Michael but she does okay but um, it, it's she's a much better actress than what's on display here she's in Hong Kong 1941 among other movies Strange choice, but but also the, the romantic stuff is sort of tropey. Uh, one is still stuck on the one they lost. One is devoted to move forward. How how do you meet in the middle, and how do you how do you go forward? So the the first half really doesn't come to life. Um, yeah, and that's uh, the, the trouble because that first half it just didn't give anything. So by the time you do get to kind of midway through, where it starts to get more interesting, there's some nice beats in them and stuff you know i've I've already you've already lost me you've lost me as a viewer mm. which is unfortunate because sure. perhaps you know there are some some good bits in there um but you need to you know you need to get through you know the 35 40 minutes before and to to get to that and and that's that's the problem yeah there's not enough um no. sort of uh, spikes here i mean the, the, the raid on the vcd operation comes with some surprising violence and that was well conveyed but yeah. those very interesting beats and even well-made beats there, there are far few in between um which is unfortunate uh, but um you know, it it seems to telegraph uh, Moses Chan's corruption too much as well. But granted, it's not as obvious as that. Uh, so the movie still has some twists in it. But uh, it would have worked a little bit better if um, there was capabilities here to push the movie into a more violent direction, a more gritty, classic uh, Hong Kong cinema violence. But it's it's a bit too stale and light and soft uh, for that. You got Jimmy Wong there. For me, he was the best character because he comes across as menacing and you could really done something more with him and made him kind of the focal point of it, um, which which is to some extent. But I, I think more of him would have helped because I quite like that character. But yeah, there just, just wasn't wasn't enough of it. Like I say, they could have elevated it and given it a little bit more and stuff. And they, like I say, there were some nice beats in it when you get to the middle. Of, you know, a bit of brutality and prostitute gets obviously beaten up you know don't hit me too hard and stuff and they half kill him and stuff to to set the world's emotion and, and that kind of starts a nice kind of some scenes going forward but there's just not enough of it there to to warrant me saying yeah you should you, you should see this because it just like i say just didn't grab me i i sort of spotted that uh and it might not even be true but uh by doing double duty uh, direct, uh, directing and uh, he, he has story credit as well Michael and his acting it seems to affect performance a little bit he, he, his, his sort of engagement in the role um, because, um, I, I was hoping that Michael would carry over some comfort from Beast Cops uh, but uh, he, he really uh, goes backwards a, li- a little bit here uh, because it's a difficult job to keep uh, everything on track uh, behind and in front of the camera obviously in terms of uh, the the second half, where I thought it uh, was well paced at any rate, uh, no no dips as such, uh, but but it's not remarkable at the same time either. There, there's a decent twist here with the spiked drink that I think was well played, uh, and uh, so that that was like the second surprising beat, but they are few, and uh, it also sort of uh, a little bit rips off the Denzel Washington movie Ricochet in yeah, one we scene. Said that, didn't we? Which is quite funny because you just kind of put, posed me that kind of pop quiz. Like, like, do you remember? Are you old enough to remember Ricochet? Yeah, I'm old enough to remember it. <laughs> and it was a damn good film. Um, and when he said it, it was all of a sudden, yeah, actually, there is. There's a little bit of rift on that. Maybe that's, you know, but... Um, 
but hardly uh, hardly as much uh, teeth as that movie had and uh, what, the, the specific scene I, I recognize from from watching that movie a long time ago that pops up here is when uh, they uh, they uh, at one point uh, Denzel is, uh, is drugged and uh, he's uh, being forced to sleep with a prostitute and I think they filmed that as well to, uh, to sort of make his life a living hell uh, after he's uh, after he's uh, uh, arrested uh, John Lithgow's character, but to have that here, it's you know it's welcome danger and edge because they go far, but it isn't that uh, uh, conceptually it's welcome, but it isn't that uh, hard hitting when going that dark. Yeah, but 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 w- when it was focusing all on this plot, it I, I, I think Michael did do a decent job on focusing on it, but that doesn't mean the filmmaking is exceptional. Exceptional, it just meant that. Uh, it's it's flowing well. I, I mean, it's um, it's it moves from each plot beat to a new plot beat, without without going uh, astray and adding more character because we've established that already. So it escapes its mild tendencies a little bit better, but uh, that doesn't transform the movie. No, like I say, it's got its beats and it moves from one to another, and like I say, it becomes that kind of run of the mill, and and it is it's it's a run of a mill. There's nothing essentially bad with it. Um, it just just doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't make you want to leap out your seat. Doesn't really. By the time you get to the end, I'm not really fussed. It's just one of those. You, you know, it would be the film on in the afternoon and it'd be on in the background, but I wouldn't take much notice of it because there isn't much there to it. But hey, maybe that's Michael as just finding his feet. Maybe if he'd done something else, he would have learned from that and moved on and you know taking the good bits from it and building it that's what everybody does you know when they're when they're learning their craft so mm, yeah. nobody expects you just to walk in those shoes and be brilliant at it as an expectation there's a little bit of a uh, physical comedy here that i like that i've seen in gift form before uh, the scene when michael wakes up uh, the day after he's been uh, drugged the night after he's been drugged he wakes up and puts on his pants and then falls over again <laughs> 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 I thought I was like I always liked it in GIF form, uh, and I, and I still <laughs> like people it. falling over. <laughs> Obviously, you've got you've got him in the in the cell and stuff, doing his screaming and stuff. It's like you don't you don't need to do that to portray anger and stuff. You, like I say, when he's when he's got to stretch himself in that role and stuff, he needs a director to be able to to manage that. He's directing himself and trying to do that. It just doesn't it doesn't add any gravitas to it to the wall and stuff and it's just a little bit nothing happens for all he's just knocking around at a cell and stuff and i mean it's a, it's a nice experiment i suppose to see if okay like gordon made uh, this character for me also made a character for me in beast cop so what what can i take from that and can i uh, replicate it in some shape or form myself or create something new uh, myself but uh, it's it's evident i think that uh, he needs to be backed by um, a little bit of better filmmaker a filmmaker of note which he certainly was in the case of um, the the option films and um, and beast cops for the ending i mean there's gunplay here but it's pretty standard gunplay it's loud and it goes in slow motion every now and again but there, there, there's no particular flair here you know he, he you know he gets his slow-mo hero shots with a shotgun that's fine but then there's a very silly punch-up between michael and jimmy wong which i think uh, you know speaking of rip-offs uh, it reminded me of a lethal weapon the ending of Lethal Weapon, uh, when, when when there's the lawn uh, punch-up when they're all standing around, it's raining, the helicopter is above Mel Gibson and whoever he was fighting. Yeah. Uh, but but it's hardly that, because it, it's kind no. of a silly punch-up, I think. Uh, no, it is. And, and to be honest, like, when you got to shoot and stuff, it, it's a shootout, right? I hate it when 
in a shootout, they're the worst shots in the world. I mean, my God, they've got you know guns firing left, right, and centre, and they're not hitting anybody. And then they've got the usual. They set them up on a really high platform, and they're falling off. They cut away before they hit the boxes, kind of thing. It's the it's the it's the very lazy way of doing it. You know, you know, I, I could have been doing that if I was. You, know, the, you could <laughs> do more with it, and there wasn't enough there to satisfy it being a you know a decent shootout as well because it was it was by the numbers shall we say yeah very much so i can remake miles apart michael Wong. <laughs> like, yeah, watch well, me, hold my yeah beer. remake it now remake it now and you know do we you know i'm, I'm sure we probably do a better job with a learning curve for him so you know you do the uh jumping from high height and i'll watch uh, at a safe distance <laughs> was the camera on ken i don't know <laughs> don't know don't know how these things work i'm just here I'm just here for the coffee it's just there for the coffee. It's difficult to me add any more to it because um, I don't want to be cruel because I'm, I'm I'm liking Michael, but this this for me wasn't you know what I wanted from it. Um, my expectation wasn't you know that high that you know he couldn't deliver something. He just didn't deliver that, um, and I, and I don't know whether that was down to that the particular the script because the way it directed it just didn't work for me, which was a which was a shame. Didn't have enough of it to warrant you know um another viewing and and that is um absolutely um something i agree on uh, wholeheartedly so um but uh was happy to watch it to see uh what uh what kind of um tricks uh he he could be up to uh, as a director and as it turns out it's uh it's not particularly special but uh the last half was uh watchable enough uh, but mm. uh it's not uh, there's no classic stuff here that you want to return to or anything so no and um for uh, footnotes and stuff i think there's about two minutes of him flying the helicopter at the end so uh that was always uh that was always good worth it Bad time. worth it <laughs> yes <laughs> Fly, Michael, fly! So, um, as for availability of Miles Apart, uh, the Maya DVD isn't in print anymore, but uh, is available second-hand from US Amazon Marketplace uh, sellers for a reasonable price, at least for the moment. Shipping to Sweden, though, was way too pricey. I mean, way <laughs> too pricey. So, we had to rely on... off the shelves now, Ken. I'm yeah. telling you, now we've, we've reviewed this, they'll be flying up, they'll be on 300 quid on um, Amazon after this, I'm telling you. But uh, we we had to rely on uh, someone else kind, else's kindness. And uh, Wong Gifts uh, kindly helped us out with um, new viewing material because I, I I knew he had it because he'd done his gif uh, gif work and, yeah. and and added alternate subtitles to uh, to scenes yeah. in a very uh, clever manner. Yeah, very good. The yes. subtitles for this one they, they get some some things wrong, including female anatomy. Yeah, they do. The, the, there's a scene where the uh, the supposed rape victim um, is uh, brought in and they're, they're going to do an examination and uh, the subtitles say, well, we're going to examine your Virginia. Wap, wap, wap. It's capitalized even, as someone mentioned on Twitter. Like, they even capitalized Virginia in the subtitles uh, despite it uh, was supposed to be something else. You look it up, kids, what it was supposed to be. <laughs> we're, we're not here to tell you. No. Uh, okay, okay, but uh, it's, uh, we share our wrong and wrong grade for this episode, and uh, in the next episode, uh, we're, we're going to conclude it all. Uh, we're going to conclude it with three 
movies and uh, I haven't picked them and uh, but we're going to conclude it in a suitable manner and if I remember correctly he's still on the sort of plus side for me uh, he's, uh, there's a good chance he's going to end up uh, being Wong at the end of it so it's not uh, like a neck and neck tie or anything I think it's like up two movies in the positive column versus bad movies for me so you get three bad in a row you never know but I can't believe we're coming to the end of it already it seems so many sad. cool movies uh, I but know, uh, it's got so many movies yeah, the, just, the thing is on, on on a serious note that the the coverage need, needs to have a thread but then I want to do bonus coverage with uh, just fun movies to talk of yeah, that, yeah, and, yeah, that yeah, I know yeah, are yeah. awesome so uh, you know you start with Legacy of Rage and Royal Warriors early starting points then when he finds his his role in final option and then he when when he makes fun of his role in the case of the Coldfish and then he's in the best picture winner in Beast Cops and he made his own movie Miles Apart so you know that's my thread but what I'm gonna do for the last three movies I'll have to look uh, so um because uh, I know he's in a couple of uh, he's obviously still working and doing new movies and what have you but as I said I don't think he's uh, got tons and tons of lead roles I mean he's in a ton of classic movies uh, uh, he's in House of Fury I think he, uh, he's, he's in a wheelchair with a shaved head in House of Fury he's in Seven Swords and Overheard and uh, Cold War as well Cold War, for instance, is a very brief uh, role and um, all of that. So From Vegas to Macau is a brief role and um, I want to find the main roles uh, to conclude it all. So look for that and uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. He's even seen Skip Trace uh, with uh, Jackie Chan and Johnny Knoxville, but also a brief role. He gets around, though. <laughs> he does get around. Yeah. He does. <laughs> we really love him for it. Bless him. He's on TikTok and he's in movies, so he's a complete human being. <laughs> complete human being he's down with the kids kids i mean uh, it's, uh, his, his kids are probably social media savvy so I mean, they're probably cringing when dad does uh, tiktok you know, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he doesn't give a flying f he does his tiktok in whatever way he likes because he's michael wong uh, but uh, let's uh, conclude this one enjoyable Joy- uh, discussion uh, uh, I wanted the Beast Cops discussion to go well because uh, I think it's a classic movie you want to do it justice and I think it uh, worked out well many thanks to your efforts for uh, making sure that happened bless you and uh, so for all your Podcast on Fire network needs including the back catalogue of other Podcast on Fire episodes but obviously the uh, Wong or Wrong episodes could be found on the site as well there's a category called Wong or Wrong if you look up the show's on the website so uh, they'll get you uh, uh, them assembled in one place uh, but uh, for all you need to go to podcastonfire.com follow the social media links in the show post and on the site and uh, all that good stuff so that's it for me and my plugs but I want to give Phil a final plug for easternfilmfans.co.uk and uh, how many mentions did um, Alan Tam get in the Armor of God retrospective <laughs> if, if any <laughs> uh, yeah no he did he did he did get a, a mention one I think Alan Tam sings so yeah moving Alan on Alan Tam's in it and there you go uh, yeah so you can find us at easternfilmfans.co.uk and the armor of God and, and anything else you want reviews reviews are overflowing at the moment it's wonderful um, I'm also on Twitter uh, Instagram um, so feel free to um, drop us uh, drop us a line. Oh, and there's a little YouTube channel I have as well with some some interviews. Obviously, uh, uh, nothing current, but um, you can find Scotty Atkins on there. You're so friendly with him now. He's Scotty Atkins. Yeah, Scotty Atkins. Now we're we're <laughs> we're, we're, we're toit now. Since he photo bombed me, that's it. We're we're like best buddies. 
how do you make friends? Can you tell me how, how that works? I don't know that. Is that yeah, it? it's one of those things you have to go outside and, uh, you know, meet people. It's very, 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 it's very time-consuming, Ken, I have to say. I know. Um, you know. You know what people are like. There's none stranger than folk, as they say. It's a gift. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, should, you, should, you should do have a gift. Uh, we should all look up to you. Uh, so uh, And look up Phil's endeavors on the internet. Uh, I've been Kenny B for this uh, Michael Wong discussion. Wong or, hashtag Wong or Wrong. And uh, with me was Phil G of EasternFilmFast.co.uk. So take us out. Thank you very much. And um, Wong or Wong. Well, we'll find out shortly in our final episodes. But thank you very much for joining us. And um, take care. Take care.